Now, the greatest idea of all time. Stay tuned for... From the Trenches of Hollywood. Here are your guru guides from the A-list to the D and everything in between. It's Ted and Craig. Hello and welcome to From the Trenches of Hollywood. I'm Ted Davies. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Craig. Glad to have you on this uh, beautiful morning here for me anyway. How's it for you? Oh, it's in, uh... Beautiful here it's in the 70s, sunny, lake's gorgeous. Great Michigan day. So great that Michigan sounds day. Great, so, great. So we so. don't ever talk about what the season actually is, but we talk mm. about the weather. And Yeah, right. People <laughs> How can much get snow's on the ground or, yeah. For right. me, it's the same pretty much. But you, I know yeah. it's got to be boring, man. That's got to be kind of boring, and it's got some benefits. But you know, I like the seasons. You know, so I don't like being cold. I that's one thing I don't like. But you know, it's all it's all how you, what you make of it, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, today it's going to be 115 degrees in Palm Springs. Mm, well, that's a desert, though. I mean, that's people don't know. You know, that's like an, how far is that? An hour, two hours? Outside a little over LA? an hour, a little over an hour. Well, from LA, from me, it's about an hour, 20 minutes. LA, closer to two hours. Right. But, right. Yeah. So, it's right in the Mojave, man. It is hot. That's it. it is hot. And I, so the guy that we're going to be talking to today, though, doesn't have that problem at all because he's from the UK in Manchester, which is, uh, <laughs> it's a, so it's doesn't have the problem damp. of what? Okay. The weather. Okay. Yes. All right, all right. Pretty cold and okay. damp there. And it's pretty, uh, very drab. Um, Michigan is a, a sunny oasis compared to some of the days over wow. in the UK. So I can I can attest to that. So, and you know how some of our weather is. So, but uh, yeah. So yeah, Glenn B. Fleming is a prolific author and artist that I'm been very blessed to be a part of in business as well as uh, podcasting and all different kinds of things. And we're going to be talking to him today. So looking forward to it. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to meet. I've been hearing about this guy for uh, a few years now from you. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> never have met. I've seen him on your podcast together. Um, mm -hmm. Your conspiracies. Uh, yes, the truth mongers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it. Um, little plug there. Check out the mm -hmm. truth mongers, everybody. You can find that on where? YouTube. Ted, and Ted Davies Artistry. Yep. On YouTube. There yep. you go. Speaking of which, make sure you reach out to us with your questions. Uh, I'm going to hold off on questions today and save them for next time because we want to get to our guest, Glenn, uh, who's waiting patiently. So let's bring yep. him in, man. Let's bring him in. Yep. Hey, Glenn, what's up? How are you doing, fellas? Nice Glenn, to great to meet you. Nice to meet you, Craig. Yeah, nice to talk to you last year. <laughs> good yeah, to you too. You too. Good, good to hear that you've been hearing about me for several years because I've oh. only... I think I've only known Craig about uh, Ted about three weeks, but about you. three weeks, three and a half weeks. <laughs> old friends, old friends. What's but the weather yeah. like there now, man? Is it rain? The, the weather here is very drab and rainy. No, I'm I'm joking. It's really good. It's really nice. It's warm. <laughs> good. Listen, what do you what listen. do you consider warm though? Was it sixty degrees? Oh yeah, it must be six, probably sixty-five today. That's 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 really <laughs> warm for us. It's yeah. really great. It's great. Well, now you get to meet Craig. So now. UK to California. This is the technology that we have. So great to meet you. So where where exactly are you? Um, what city? I'm in, I'm in Manchester in the northwest. Okay. It's um, oh. it's very nice. Best best. This England is the best place on earth, and then <laughs> then the United States. Yeah. The United States is the only place I would go and live, other than here. <laughs> That's a statement. 
the, well, okay. the gas is cheaper here. That's oh, why. Right. <laughs> it just went up today to, I think it must be $3 a liter. Yeah. Not a it's, gallon. It's unbelievable. Right. It, it's crazy. Crazy. So we have really nothing to complain about here. No. Um. Yeah. So, but. Uh, First um, world problems, man. Yeah, right. First yeah. world problems. Right. <sighs> So, Glenn, well, let's uh, preface this a little bit, everybody, uh, for everyone a little bit. Uh, Glenn is an author. Um, he is a, a nonfiction author, uh, mm -hmm. historical writer, investigative writer. Um, we've not talked to someone of your caliber on the show before. We've had a lot of fiction, a lot of fiction <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what drives us. But what's so important is that so much of this fiction even some that i've been brought in to write has been based on reality real yeah. things and so it's great to have you here um okay. tell us uh the, tell us a little bit about yourself give everybody like the 30 second glenn pitch oh uh well i'm an, uh, a writer artist publisher photographer painter uh playwrights i do lots of things i've spent 40 years in graphics covering all those kind of things like illustration and making little documentaries and all this kind of stuff and as uh, ted said i've written 10 it might be 11 books i'm not sure publish those uh, i write about different subjects uh, soccer science fiction jfk kids books i wrote a book about d-day my father was a it was a paratrooper on d-day i wrote a book about nasa Ooh. about the astronauts who didn't go to the moon and i wrote i like to travel and i a few years ago, I went to Easter Island to Rapa Nui, and I've written a book about that. Uh, I'm making a film about that from the from the film I took there. I've got six, seven hours worth of film to edit down. Uh, I published. Uh, can I show it this book? Yeah, yeah about my, about, about my visit visits to Jack Kirby's house. You know, Jack Kirby created the uh, well, he created comic just about, didn't he? Captain America, uh, Fantastic Four, all those things. And in the late 80s and early 90s, I went to see him a couple of times and I also videoed it. And I've also made a documentary uh, about those that, those visits where, where, where you see me talking to Jack. Uh, I published magazines. This was one about British comics that I used to publish called Crikey. I'm publishing uh, Comics Unlimited with Ted at the moment. And I've done a lot of things. Yeah, there it is. Issue 9 is out now. Get it on Amazon. Fantastic <laughs> So I, I publish, the 30 in, in the seconds night. is obviously longer in the UK. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's just teasing you. Uh, no, listen. Well, okay. It's valid. You've done a lot. But let's get into some of your right. I mean, let's talk about your inspirations for some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems it's such a wide variety of what you've covered. Have these been uh, subjects that you were just passionate about or, 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 or that you stumbled upon? You talk about a visit you visited. The island you're, you're doing a project on that was that pre-planned or did you visit the island and say well this is amazing i need to do something about this no what happened was um as i've only got 30 seconds well, then it, <laughs> then it, when i was about when i was about 12 uh, my uh, english teacher mr clarkson uh, read, read a book read as a book uh, called the contiki expedition by tor heyerdahl mm. the norwegian yeah. explorer guy and this stuck in my mind and he and and Tohida went to Rapa Nui or Easter Island and he stayed there a year and he stayed there a year in the year I was born which was 1955 so things like that always get in my head when I'm sort of involved in a way do you understand what I mean mm -hmm. and and um anyway so many years later I was single I had some money and I thought where have I not been where I really want to go Easter Island so I went there mm -hmm. for three weeks 
and it's a it's an incredible place. And I, I, I took a, I kept an extensive diary, and I based the book on my diary and and historical facts about the place. I took over a thousand photographs. I took six hours of film, as I said, and I'm putting it all <clears throat> putting the DVD. Well, trying to find time to put the DVD together. Um, but I, what I, the way I write is I've written a lot of science fiction. Uh, I've watched a lot of science fiction and I've read a lot of science fiction and I like to write science fiction, but I also like to write the historical things like with the JFK thing, you know, right. um, I, I the, the thing I remember about the JFK situation was I was, I was almost nine when it happened. There's two things I remember from that weekend. One is my mother and father crying because Kennedy had been killed. And the other one was Lee Oswald being shot. And I remember my dad very distinctly saying to me mum, because I was only nine, he said to me mum, they've done that to shut him up. And that's, and that stuck in my mind. And then 10 years later, 1973, I read an article in a magazine, a London magazine called Time Out, and it was going over the magic bullet theory and all that, Jack Ruby and David Ferry and all these people. And it had a bibliography. So I got all these books and I read all these books and I got the Warren Commission report and I read that and I must be, I'm probably one of the only people in few people in the world who've read the entire 26 volumes of evidence, but I've been through it. Wow. And then, then, then five years later, the House Select Committee on Assassinations were doing a reenactment of the shooting, and I went to to Dallas to Dealey Plaza to be there. And then, uh, I've always been fascinated with Americana, so that's that's the and the space program, the moon landing was was happening while I was growing up. I was 14 when Neil and Buzz went to the moon, and then years later. I did some research into it and I was finding out about the, uh, I remember the Apollo fire where the three astronauts died. Mm -hmm. So, so I just, there were, what I try and do is I don't, there must be like with, like with the JFK thing, there must be 500 or a thousand books about where the bullets came from, who fired the bullets and all that kind of thing. So I, I like to put a bit of a slant on my writing. So I wrote it from Lee, I wrote my first book about the Kennedy assassination uh, from the point of view of Lee Oswald. So you're in Lee Oswald's head. Now, there will have been a lot of things that we know that he wouldn't at the time because he'd have got a greyhound bus somewhere, you know, and all that kind of thing. So I wrote it from his point of view. Uh, the next book I wrote about that uh, and published was about his actual involvement with various government agencies and being in Russia and all that kind of thing. But I like to put a, a, a slant on my writing and to get back to the NASA thing. Again, there's probably 500 books about moon landings and all that kind of thing, all very interesting. So I wrote about the astronauts who didn't go to the moon, who would have gone to the moon, would have walked on the moon, and they died in train and in plane crashes and car crashes. So I wrote a book I wrote about, about that because I like to put a spin on it. And it's the same with the soccer book I wrote, which was the first book I had published called Ten Tens. Um, and it's when I played football to a, quite a decent level, not professional, but quite a decent level. I was always number 10. Number 10 was my shirt. So I wrote, so that again, there's, there's 500 books about soccer. So I wrote a book, <laughs> I wrote a book about the number 10 shirt and did 10 players, 10 like Pele and it's cool, right? Pele, you probably heard of these people. Yeah. I don't know with, well, mm -hmm. we, call them, we call them Pele here, but yeah, well, well, it's, well Sorry. It's, it's Pele. And uh, <laughs> uh, he was number 10, uh, <clears throat> the English players were number 10. And I wrote about 10 uh, players who wore the number 10 shirt. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I like it. So it's so you answered the question, and I see that uh, all of these things are a bit of your uh, nostalgia, a bit of your mm. history, a bit of yeah. your childhood. It yeah. seems like that every one of these subjects made an impression on you mm -hmm. uh, as a young man and uh, led you to write about it, which is great. You know, a lot of people, they, they want to write about what they know or what they're interested in so they can learn more about it, which leads me to this. When you were writing the Oswald perspective, uh, what kind of uh, material was available for you research-wise to be able to get uh, into his head a little bit? Were there many, were there many personal documents that you were able to uh, get uh, to access to, to get, a, get an idea of what was going on in his head? Yeah, I, I there was a lot of stuff in Life magazine that I don't believe they published his diary, and I don't believe it's written by him. So, so I learned a lot of that what wouldn't be in his head, if that makes sense. Again, mm -hmm. it's sure. that twist. Again, it's that twist. You know, we've all seen the newsreels of of him talking and all this kind of thing. But what I do, I have a quite a I don't I don't want you to call it, but a kind of uh, mind that can, is good at marker pieces and get into the next part and I, I lay it out of what like imagine him in the Dallas police for the two days he was alive when he was arrested I mm -hmm. mark out the hours and what he would be doing at those times then I link it with the testimony of the police officers who spoke to him and I also link it in with the uh, the footage of, of him we see of him walking down the corridors you know being asked the questions so I link it all together that's how I wrote that and then I know a lot about him. I know I know a lot about that situation. Uh, so it was difficult at times <clears throat> not to put something in that he wouldn't know. Sure. You see what I mean? And that 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 and that to me was the that was the discipline of writing the book. It, hmm. I wrote. I, I could easily write a book about the shots and the bullets and the car and all this kind of thing. That's that's easy. That's all documented. But I wanted to put some kind of different spin on it and. Um, I know a lot about the situation. I know a lot about him. And I mean, he's only, he's only 24 when he died, just 24 when he was murdered. So there's not really a lot to find out in terms of, you know, his army and all the Marines and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so you uh, kind of mentioned it there, uh, especially with this book, how you laid it out and uh, followed that specific timeline. We talk a lot on the show about uh, styles and processes and yeah. creating your material. So I, I would assume that a lot of these, being from a, a historical perspective to a degree, uh, yeah. are they all pretty much a linear following yeah. a historical timeline and you're just expanding on those bullet points of what was happening? Yeah, yeah. You, it's the, you can't really do it any other way. I mean, there's, there were, um, I think it's seven astronauts who, who, were, who would have gone to the moon. They, they would have flown. And so it's easy to when you when you research it you find out what crews they were on who they were working with because they because in those days nasa would change the crews around if somebody get injured or somebody would they would the management <clears throat> the management would see that they these guys got on better with the other guy they changed the crews around <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and so from that point of view like with the with the oswald thing it's easier to plot the line but it's linear like you say because because it happened you know, you don't, there's nothing to, apart from, sure. I'll contradict myself here, there's nothing to make up other than the fact that obviously nobody is in Lee Oswald's head and I have to put myself, so I'm only, he's thinking what I probably would have thought. 
if you because nobody knows exactly yeah so there's a there's a bit of a a, a speculatory element yeah. to yeah. what you're 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 placing in that particular book but you're following a, a historically accurate timeline of where yeah. he would be when he would be there so there's a little latitude there but um still for the most part i i don't know how would you classify that book you know is it is it it's not truly a full non fiction work uh, if we're uh, creating this I, I, I don't know i think i would call it i think i would call it faction Fashion. that's a great okay. that's a great I like term it. i do yeah i like that i think hashtag faction, faction. that's yeah. it i like i it. like it yes that's very cool so, so i want to touch on this great you mentioned that you did a piece on d-day your father was a paratrooper and yesterday yep. being the anniversary yeah 78 years mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah. Wrote, I wrote i wrote this book a couple of, published a couple of years ago it's a fantastic book i've read it Absolutely and i've awesome. got my illustrations on it i see yep um what it, what what i did there was my dad's my dad died in 1981 I, i'm older now than my dad was i'm the older man anyway i did decided to uh as you'll both will know because you'll know people who are veterans they, they never talk about it they never they never yeah. give you any details yep. they don't and i fully understand why well sure. my dad was the same he would tell me things but he wouldn't tell me the real things you know the sure because so what happened was um <clears throat> my dad was a, a paratrooper on d-day he was 19 years old it was three weeks before his 20th birthday and he's jumping out of a c-47 into that you know, I mean, and, and the reason it's called eight seconds is that's that's the time. It, that's the time. I get this. This is scary. Apart from all the the flak and the ACAT going off around the aircraft and the other aircraft crashing and disintegrating and all that, when he left the door, it took him eight seconds to get to the ground because they were that low. They were five hundred feet. They were supposed to fly a thousand feet, but they, they soon learned that the the longer the parachuter is in the air, the more of a target he is. And yeah. also, the higher, as you will know, the higher a plane flies, it takes that much longer to pass. That's mm. a, uh, another tar a longer target. So the, the, my dad's parachute and, and, and the guys who jumped with him barely opened. It literally broke their fall. Um, wow. They jumped out. Eight seconds later, he was on the ground, but unfortunately, my dad wasn't on the ground. He was in a flooded field, and he nearly drowned. And he's because he's, uh, Rommel flooded all the fields because he knew the paratroopers would be coming. And um, he landed on the on, in a, in a, uh, a flooded field, and, and and so he goes down with all his equipment. He wasn't he wasn't expecting this. Uh, four o'clock in the morning, cold, and he hits water and goes in, and his canopy comes down. So he's got he's got all this gear on, and a canopy on his head, and he's got to get his knife and get out. And I, and I just wanted to document it. And what I, what I've done on it's the same with the Oswald thing. I've not I, I'm sort of put myself there, in my dad's place, and I linked it up with 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 actual events, you know that that I knew was would happen, and he would have to get to, you know, because just an example, six hundred and fifty men from his battalion jumped and only 150 got to the place, their mission, their target, because yeah. they were they were misdropped and all that kind of thing. And then of the 150 that attacked the Merville gun battery, only 50 survived, and he he was one. 
Wow, fascinating. Well, just, amazing uh, story. Uh, and that is called Eight Seconds, that yeah. book. Where yeah. where can we find your books? You, where can people get, get them? All, they're all on Amazon. You can get them all on Amazon. They're all there waiting. It's interesting that uh, a couple of these topics that you've touched on, uh, I too have written or researched to a degree, um, uh, including the Kennedy um, assassination. Oh, right. Right. Okay. One of the first projects that I was brought in to uh, adapt was a documentary on a claimed assassin from the Kennedy event, uh, a man by the name of James Files. Oh, uh, have you come across this this uh, character? Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> um, I I knew you guys were going to. Am, good am, I, am I allowed to say that I wouldn't trust anything he said? Even oh if he yeah, told, even if he told me his name. Who who would trust this guy? It's a, an amazing story yeah. that he oh, tells. Yeah. yeah. But uh, there are some real stretches in it. Yeah, um, one or but... two. Yeah. It was a, uh, there was a documentary film uh, produced by a man named uh, Bob Vernon, and uh, he made it with uh, Dick Clark Productions back oh, in, uh, really? oh. in the mid, well, early 90s, um, I think is when they produced that documentary. And they brought me in to adapt it. And what was, there was very little material to research on James Files, which also led to nothing to corroborate his, his story what happens is that people um people come forward and say they were there or they did this and the entire it seems like the entire community of people researchers i don't look into it now i'm done with it now i've had enough but the researchers they go oh have you seen this guy and they chase him for five years and then at the end of the five years they find out he was a fraud and then, and then the investigation has gone cold for five years. Do you understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, some people call it limited hangout, and it's like a, it's like the ripple effect. You know, it never leaves the, never leaves the lake, does it? The ripple. You know, it, it just mm -hmm. goes out and out and out and out, and just carries on forever. And what what these people do? They chase these people. And say, oh, this guy was on the grassy knoll. Let's go. So they take a year finding where he lives. Then they take another year trying to get him to talk. And then when he does, he wasn't really there. Yeah, has nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing <laughs> Distractions. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then again, you know, uh, so it, it's what one of the greatest conspiracies of them all, uh, mm -hmm. right up there with uh, UFOs. The, the, probably. The, cons the conspiracy is the cover-up. Yes. So there's always going to be people chasing something down a rabbit hole on this one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That and then the astronauts get the Apollo. I love the fact that uh, you chose. Um, so what you're pointing out something here really unique. Let me touch on that again. Back to style and writing is you're finding uh, subjects that you're interested in and uh, have a passion for, and you're approaching them from a unique storytelling position and giving it a different take. Uh, like you said, there's hundreds yep. of books written on every one of these subjects, but no one has told it the story this way and uh it, do you do you do you find that you spend a lot of time in the beginning figuring out how you're going to get that unique perspective when telling the story or are these just ideas that do they just come to you immediately when you feel like you you found a subject um I've, like you said um i've always had these subjects in my mind at least nostalgia like you say but with the astronauts um I 
I was fortunate enough to, to speak with Alan Shepard, first American in space, fifth man on the moon, uh, Charlie Duke, 10th man on the moon, and Gene Cernan, who was the last one on the moon on Apollo 17. He was the commander of Apollo 17. I spoke with him and I interviewed these people. And these are, these are like my heroes, you know. So I write about my heroes. I'm not sure whether Lee Oswald is a hero, but he's, you know, he's, he, to me, Lee Oswald is a, is a, uh, a much maligned character in history if not the most maligned person, because I'll just say this, he didn't shoot anybody that day, right? Right. So but with, <laughs> but with the astronauts, with the astronauts, um, they're so, th those guys, I don't want to talk about the ones now, I'm not, and I'm not undermining what they do, but those guys were, those guys were Christopher Columbus, weren't they? And uh, mm. Marco Polo, you know, they were, the, they were the true, the true frontiersmen, weren't they? You know, I mean, yep. the moon, I mean, you know, the moon. And three people have been twice. I mean, get get that one, you know. And um, I just find it fascinating that uh, I, I like to write about people. I like to write about people. And because people are the most fascinating thing on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. And we all get caught up in these events. And I'm fascinated with the way people look at those events and what they were doing, whether, and a lot of people just don't care, do they? A lot of, when I was researching Kennedy, I was driving everybody crazy with it, telling them all about it for years and years and years, and nobody <laughs> and nobody believed me. Well, how how could a guy who lives in Manchester, England, know so much about this subject that nobody cares about? And then and then and then a year later, when it came on the television, and and all the things I was saying were being presented, they said, "Oh yeah, we knew that. Yeah, yeah I told you. <laughs> you told them. I told yeah, you. Right. You know, it was me." Who, Oh, well, no, well, you might have mentioned it. No, I bored you to death with it, you know. So, yeah. so I do like to write about these things. Yeah, the, the, these um, I've I've re I like to read. I've read over six hundred books in my life, and I'm just I'm just sorry I've not logged them all, right? And I just like to read, and I think reading is is the second greatest maybe the third greatest thing that you can do <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such a wonderful privilege to to this will sound corny and i don't care to be alive right now and to have lived through what i've lived through I mean, mm -hmm. and you as well but you know i mean i don't know i know todd i will tell you that on your how old you are craig but i'm 67 and i i've, I've lived all through the space age right all through it Sputnik was the first one. I was two. I don't remember it, but it was, it was there. And and I just think these things are just fantastic things. We've got such fantastic things to read and to look at. And the sadness, just to go off track a bit, the sadness of the internet is that nobody read before the internet. And now you've got every book in the world at the, at the touch of a button. People still don't read them. You know, this I, I can can't work it out why people don't read. But we're going off track. Sorry, you're going off on one there. No, it's good. It's good. I, I think a book is a uh, an investment, and mm -hmm. it, yeah. and and it's uh, uh, sometimes time. And people today just feel like well, that. I, I, it, I, seven I, seconds is my attention span, and then yeah, I move yeah, on. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's really sad. You see, I, I, I there's no, to me there's nothing greater than holding a book, you know, a, a physical book. You know, mm. I don't have a, a an iPad thing to read books on. I like I like the book. I like to hold the book. Me too. And we're, ta we're tactile sure. creatures. You know, we like to sure. touch things, and, and it's just a wonderful thing. And yeah, to have I... you, and to have your own published and and hold. Oh yeah, it's it's unbelievable. That's wonderful. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. For me, it's uh, I if someone brings me a screenplay or sends me a screenplay, I have to print it if I'm mm -hmm. actually going to read it. I do not yeah. like sitting yeah. on my computer trying to read well, read their gotta, work. Yeah, and you're going to put notes on it, aren't you, and things like that, and highlight to, exactly, things, exactly, you know? exactly. Uh, or change or changes. Yeah, or, you or, email or, me changes. I print it out uh, to you. I'm constantly and, doing it. Think of the think yeah. of the satisfaction as well, Craig. That. If you don't, if you get that, if you get that manuscript on a on an iPad, you can just turn it off. But think of the satisfaction of picking it up and throwing it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, of, I do like of, to carry it around. <laughs> one of the questions I've got for Gwen is, what I never asked you this, but what is the what's your format for writing? Do you end up having a small, you know, like a journal or? What, what do you do when you write or I, what did it, you do? It, it depends what I'm writing. But if, I, if, I'm, if I'm writing fiction, mm -hmm. I will keep notes. I do I do that on the computer. I used to write it, you know, with, you know, handball. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then and yeah. I, I bought a typewriter. I told you the other day, I still got the mm -hmm. typewriter I bought. Mm -hmm. So I've gone from writing longhand to typewriters to computers. I work in Word. But mm -hmm. what I do is I, a lot of the time, if I've got a scene, I'll write the dialogue. Because I know who's saying what. You know, like in dialogue, you can soon lose who's talking because the, you don't say this person and they walked over to this place. And mm. well, like because I'm writing it, I know who it is, and I'll write the dialogue down, and then I'll put the fill in the, uh, you know, you went over to the chair and sat down and whatever. I, that's the way I write the fiction. But with, but with the faction, I just imagine what the guy's doing, or did. And with the the nonfiction, there's obviously it's more disciplined because you are there are set parameters of what you're writing about. You know, if you're writing about going to the moon, you're going to the moon. So you need to different different disciplines, and I like that. I, it's like with drawing. Uh, I, many years ago, I used to draw Postman Pat. Have you heard of Postman Pat? Mm -mm. He's a cartoon character. He's like um, I don't know. He's a cartoon, a children's cartoon character. I used to draw that. Then the next day, I'd be designing a brochure or a magazine. Then the next day, I'd be doing a photo shoot. And then the next day, I'd be working on a documentary. So I've, I've been really fortunate in the forty years in graphics that just about every day, or at least every week, I would have a different job, different discipline to look at. It never got boring. Never got boring, and it was really good. But with the writing thing, it depends what I'm writing about. Like, like I said about the Rapa Nui book, that's taken from my my notes, my extensive diary, mm -hmm. and I mixed it, mixed the history in with it. So I can't change the history, and it becomes a mix. You know. Right. Well, you did the same thing with the Jack Kirby book. In fact, yeah. in the book, you've got your notes. Yes. As part of the pages, which is just, I think it, it's going to be the truest form of uh, documentary on anything that you could do for Jack Kirby. I think that you just did such a, a service uh, for the public um, that people well, will learn from it later. You know, thanks, so, yeah. so I, I think what, what the, mm -hmm. the thing with the Kirby thing is that um, it helps being a writer. And, and I, I was there and I'm fortunate enough to be able to get those thoughts down because a lot of people would forget things and people can't write. They can't write. So, uh i can so i was fortunate i filmed it i put it down i took my notes i produced the notes in the book like ted says and then I, I like to give the whole thing you know i like to give the whole experience and part of my experience of meeting jack kirby was writing those notes so you get to see them in the book i look forward to seeing that book uh yeah. that you guys are talking about here um it's 
I love the idea of you're combining your your sources or, or publishing your source, your created source yeah. within the the pages. That's fantastic. See, I think it's like when you you'll know the YouTube guys are writers. You know this. You've got to write what you've got to be interested in it. Yes. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just a job. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have written about things. I wrote something about gardening. I mean, who wants the garden? But I had to do it because I got paid. But I've now, been there. Been most there. Most of the time. Most of the time, I've been fortunate that I would write about things that I enjoy. You know, so I, but I like the, to put all the elements in there. One of the two. One of the two reasons I wanted to get you guys on together was because you both did documentaries. You both do documentaries. And you both are playwrights. And a lot of people don't realize that you are playwrights, both of you. And that's a compare. I really wanted to see you guys interact with <laughs> with that, uh, well, that writing. That might need, might, might need to be another show. But I think that that's something I really want, you know, you guys to. Let, let uh, me just say that my, my claim to be a playwright is is, is true, but, but I've not produced a play yet. But I've, I'm writing the play. So I'm calling myself a playwright because I'm halfway through one and about to begin the other one. One's a comedy and one isn't. You're doing it. That's great. I will say this again, back to process, something that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about writing your fiction. Great piece of advice for people that you just threw out there, whether you know it or not. And that is true. You keep moving forward and you do it by writing the dialogue and you keep moving forward just the dialogue. You go back in, you polish it up, you clean it up, you add the log lines, you add the action, you add whatever. But um, that's a great great tip right there you know for some people who might get uh well, hung up on on elements it's just keep firing out the dialogue and, and, the, and the thing about writing a play and i'm not saying it's easy because it's not but it's mainly the dialogue you don't have to describe the room they're in or you might do a little description of the room they're in once once <laughs> exactly and you don't have to write oh he, he he contemplated reaching for his revolver and shooting the guy in the head as he went to the sit down in the chair you don't have to write that you just put you move to the chair, you know what I mean? And it's it's a great it's a great thing. It's it's great writing and reading and drawing is just the best. You know, it's just it's, I love it. It's like it's like breathing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of one of the things that I do most in my job as a writer is I'm brought in to clean up dialogue. And oh, yeah. So. And, and a lot of times that's all that I need to clean up because some people are, they're just locked into this visual part of the screenplay or that what that they're working on. They've created an amazing uh, look and feel and, and movement and action and all of that. It's just that they struggle with the dialogue. And so there's uh there's all kinds of writers out well, there. Well, I'm, I'm worried now, Craig, that you're going to go and read all my stuff and say, what the <laughs> hell is this guy doing? You know, so. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, no. <laughs> it's the stuff we send him. Right. I could just see hear all my books rattling in your bin. <laughs> I doubt that. Either. Yeah, no, no. Well, well, we we'll have to continue the screen mm. uh, writing uh, talk uh, another time for sure because we are out of time. Mm. If you can okay. believe it, um, we just blew right through that thirty minutes. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Um, I want to well, keep talking to you about um, Jack Kirby, actually, but I'm going to have okay. to read this book so that I can get back on with you and discuss uh, it a little bit further because that one is 
pretty much a biography piece, right? You're, you're doing a biography well, and I, are you talking about the moment you're with him at that time? Again, the book that, as uh, Ted will testify that the book is mm. it's it's called a personal journey. It's my journey to him. So it's more it's more about me than it is about him. But he's the star, and it's the same with the Rapa Nui book. I've called that Rapa Nui a personal journey because it's my journey to the place. And I talk about Mr. Clark's and reading the book and all that kind of thing. And um, I write I write for me. I write what I want to read, and that's another cliche. But I write I write what I want to read. That's great. And, and I'm really yeah. proud of them. I'm not saying they're any good or not, but I'm really proud that I've got it together and published them and got them out there. I mean, going to Easter Island, you know, from my point of view, is no great is a great shakes because it's the remotest inhabited place on earth. And I got there. So <laughs> but anybody can just get on an aircraft and go. That's all I do. You said it. Well, again, um, thanks a lot for being here. Some great advice you gave actually uh, today. Not only uh, how to push forward and just keep writing the dialogue, write what you're passionate about, look for a unique way to tell the story, a different perspective. You even did it with the Jack Kirby, these personal journeys, uh, uh, testaments that you're putting together. It uh, gives a different uh, spin or uh, aspect, uh, even point of view of that often overtold story so yeah, it's that's uh right. that's great advice for everyone um thanks a lot for being here um thank you thanks ben. What, what, what time is it there right now i mean how many hours it, ahead are you for me uh nine i think it's uh 12 minutes past five in the, in the evening aha <laughs> uh -huh. well happy hour has begun um i appreciate your time and uh i look forward to having you back on the show Sure, whenever you want. Thank you for having me. Definitely. And uh, you know, Glenn, you know, I'll be in touch with you. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank okay. you, my All friend. Right. One, Thanks, one Glenn. Thing, yep. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks again. Awesome. Well, at least you had a chance to meet the man now behind the myth. So, yeah, no. Uh, so, good stuff right there. Um, uh, yeah. A fascinating person, just mm. and in his interest. Wealth of knowledge. And, just, you know just scrape yeah. the surface of it you know the next time we'll have a mind we'll really you know talk a little bit more about process and you know really what makes him tick to get that pen to paper you know we'll have him awesome. back folks listen awesome. uh send us your uh, questions if you have anything for glenn any uh any advice of your own you want to spread send us the the uh the questions or the info you've got uh our personal Handles right there. You see at Craig Hollywood, TedDaviesArtistry.com. Also get us at uh, From the Trenches of Hollywood on Facebook and at Hollywood Trenches on Instagram. Um, that's going to do it for us today. I hope Absolutely. you enjoyed the show. Yep, I know I did. So got to get writing. <laughs> yeah, me too writing. today. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you yep. all next time. Take care. See you.